What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Three Rings Podcast. We're back. It's been a minute, guys, and we apologize for the long, long delay. And this episode has been quite overdue. But frankly, there wasn't really too much to talk about with the Pistons and the NBA going on. We also been very, very busy, some of us traveling abroad. So, you know, it's been a busy last bit of this summer, but we're back. We're going to be uploading weekly um, during the season for the Pistons and over the next month leading up to the preseason start. So make sure to be on the lookout for that. Of course, before we get into this episode, check us out on the social media accounts on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok. You guys already know the deal. So we're going to get into it, guys. I'm with Vinayak and Aiden. My name is Neil Sinoff, per usual. And first, well, actually, first of all, how are you guys doing? It's been a minute. <laughs> it's good to be back. Feels good. I feel like energized about the Pistons. I was honestly not feeling the team like for a, for that month we were gone. It was just like, there's nothing to talk about, you know, the season's coming, you know, the off season is, it's going by fast. So I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for the preseason. I'm ready to get back into it. Yeah. It's nice. Dude, I'm, I'm excited. Cause I think we kind of hit the dead point in the summer where it's literally just baseball. The NBA draft is, has already passed, you know, free agency has already passed the NFL is in the boring preseason time. And so I think we're kind of past that college football starting up, NFL starting up, and then preseason for the NBA starts in literally just a month. People got to realize that we're very close to the season again. It's exciting. And so for me, I think the little taster, the little uh, teaser for the season was actually that I got to golf with John Beeline the other day. It was the craziest story, so I'll tell you guys about it. Literally, I was golfing at the University of Michigan, and I get to the first hole, and I play the first first and second hole, and then on the third hole, uh, this guy is, like, kind of getting up on us a little bit, and me and my playing partner, we turn around, we realize it's John Beeline, and we see that the people in front of us are taking forever, so we invited him to just join and play with us for the rest of the round, which he did, and so I was able to talk with him for, what, 15, 16 holes. It was a very, very interesting conversation. And I got a little bit of, you know, some insights on the Pistons and where they're going. And so the first thing that he said, and I want to get your guys' reaction on this. He said they, he genuinely thinks the Pistons can win 40 games. He said he wasn't even being like crazy optimistic. He really thinks they can and not just make the play in, but be one of the last playoff teams. What do you guys think about that statement? You know, first of all, just congratulations, Neil, you know, moving up in the ranks, talking to John Beeline, <laughs> getting, getting the insights. No, that's, that's really dope. It's a dope experience, but, um, Appreciate it, bro. <laughs> for the, <laughs> but for the 40 wins, I don't know. That's, that's such a reach. I wrote, I wrote an article saying like, I don't even, I think they're going to be tanking to be honest towards the end of the season. I just, the team like got younger, not older. They got so many young guys now. And, you know, I know like people will say, you know, they were 500 towards the end of the season, but to me, like the end of the season doesn't count. Cause like other teams aren't really playing their good guys. I mean, they're like kind of resting. Right. Right. So I don't know. 40 wins is a little bit too much. I could see 30, 30, I think is like a fair, fair amount of wins, but 40, man, you're like, you're really putting pressure on a rookie Jaden Ivy, Dylan Duran and Kay Cunningham. Who's in this only in his second year. I mean, it is rare. It is rare to see like a second year player, elevated the team that much so i don't know i i'm a little bit i'm not as optimistic on that but you know if he thinks it that's that's on him yeah i mean they won what 23 games last year that's a 17 game jump that doesn't seem likely i mean the only time i've really seen that i think or just anyone has really seen that is like when a transcendent player like LeBron obviously like goes to the Lakers or like goes back to Cleveland, something like that is when they went like their win margin goes up that high. So yeah, it doesn't seem super likely, especially like if Cade and like Ivy and Duran are all like battling on and off injuries, that could be another problem as well. So we'll see. Yeah. And, you know, we'll get into our exact, you know, record predictions a little bit later before the season starts. So that'll be a different episode. But 
Yeah, man, I think 40 games, that is extremely optimistic. I think, you know, we've all mentioned this before on this podcast that, you know, the Pistons fans seem to be getting a little bit ahead of themselves of this team is going to make the playoffs. This team is going to be in the plan. I'm not sure about that. And I'll talk about that in the later episode when we actually go in depth on the records and so on. But I think we got to be looking more at the 32-33 win season. I'm with you, Vinay Aiden, on that. I think 40 is a little too optimistic. But, hey, when your coaches, when you have a coach saying that and sounding as optimistic as John Beeline was, you know, it's it's only a good thing, obviously. It's better than him saying, no, we're only going to win 20 games, right? So <laughs> we got to at least be happy about that, I guess. So the other thing, the other two things they said, the first is that, uh, and this is me just reading into the conversation. I want to be very, very clear when I say this. John Beeline did not say this. I was just asking him about um, Isaiah Stewart and the possible lineups. It sounds like, and this isn't really breaking news to anybody, they really want to start Beef Stew at the four. And I think they want to get either Olenek or Duran at the five starting. And they want Beef Stew to be shooting a lot. It sounds like that's what they're really focusing on in practices we already kind of knew that from the off season, from all the training videos and then the summer league. But what do you guys think about that? Um, you know, and hearing that from John Beeline. Yeah, I think with beef stew, you know, he was good he was good at the five last year, but unfortunately, man, he's just too undersized. And I think when he's playing like bigger, bigger centers, it just, it just leads to him, you know, getting kind of exposed in a sense. And he's a great, he is a good rim protector, but just like that size is just hard. And if you draft someone like Jalen Duran, I mean, Duran is kind of the perfect size for a center. So it makes sense. Now the real thing is can can beef stew shoot? Can it be can it be like a real is it a real thing? And I think so. I think I mean the summer league, we've seen it. You know, we've seen him shooting. I'm not sure if our listeners have listened to the interview Beef Stew recently had on the Bun and Cardigan show, but he said that's like something I've been working on so much. So it looks like I mean, it's in the cards. Like I I think they can try it out because beef stew is also really good at perimeter defense. Kind of, it kind of works out, but um, that shooting is important because if he can't shoot, then like I could see that spot definitely going away to someone like you know Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Livers, one of those players who could um space the ball a little bit more. But I mean, if you want to, if you want Beef Stew to start, I think his long term position will have to be a four if he's if he's going to take that next step to to start shooting. I think another thing is the defense, and obviously we know he's a good defender, but like the speed of playing, like the difference in speed between playing a four and a five these days is a lot different. You know, you can be, you can play the five and be the last guy down um, on the opposite side of the court. But if you're the four and you're one of the last guys to get down, that's going to be a problem. And a lot of stretch fours in this day and age are, you know, they're taller than beef stew and they can, their strides are a lot longer and then they can make it down or they're shorter, but they're a lot faster and there's a lot more burst. So I, I want to see what that would be like. Um, just kind of a little bit nitpicky, but at the same time, it could be like a serious concern and that might drive his, you know, defensive productivity down as well. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I think, you know, kind of the biggest story with it is just going to be interesting to see in the first week of play what they're doing with that starting lineup because they could just go back to what they did last year and you have Beef Stew at the five, you have Sadiq Bey at the – or I guess at the four now with Jeremy Grant being gone. But, you know, they, they could also suddenly make that shift immediately and Beef Stew starting at the four and maybe even Duran at the five from day one. That would be surprising to me but it could happen. And so that'll be very interesting to look out for. The other thing that I talked to Beeline about is that, and this is something that Pistons Twitter picked up on, but John Beeline confirmed it and confirmed the number. Kate Cunningham has increased about 10 pounds this summer in the off season. He has added 10 pounds of muscle. You know, a lot of Pistons fans, like I said, could see that from pictures on Twitter and so on from their training videos. But that is big, man. This dude is up to about 228 pounds. Like, you know, it's going to be hard to, first of all, score on Cade when you're trying to drive into him. It's going to be hard to guard him when he's driving into you. That's a big 228-pound, six-foot-six point guard 
coming at you. What do you guys think of the 10 pounds of added muscle that Cade's added? I think it's great. I honestly, when we drafted Cade, I didn't realize how skinny he was until, until like I saw him without a shirt and I was like, damn, homie's homie's really skinny. So I think, I think it's good for him to get the muscle and he's going to, you know, tap into that power side of this game where, you know, he's like posting up, you know, taking a little bit slower. And I guess some, like some may say, oh, that athleticism is going to go away. But I think Cade's one of those players where his athleticism, he just needs to move around the floor. He doesn't need to be like hyper athletic, like a Jaden Ivey, Russell Westbrook. He doesn't need that. He just needs to, he's a methodical player. So anything that can give him leverage in the, in the offensive setting, I think is beneficial. So I'm, I'm all for the 10 pounds. I'm glad he was able to do that being on vegan. I don't know if he's still vegan or not, but I mean, it's impressive nevertheless. So, but I will say, don't get too hype about this. Um, Pistons fans, if you guys remember in like 2014, Brandon Jennings also allegedly put on 10 pounds of muscle. And I mean, it, it like he, he was good, but it's not like it was like a deal. Like it was crazy or anything. So, you know, don't be too hype about that. You, you got to love the little throwback. Like, like don't get too excited because of Brandon Jennings, Josh Smith. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't. No, you always got to remember your roots, you know, where you came from. I don't think it's going to be that bad. I will say a lot of times when players are adding like an excessive, I'm not saying this 10 pounds is excessive amount of weight, but when you're adding a lot more weight, it could mess up like jump shots and other things like smaller details that people don't really think about. Um, But I don't, I don't think that's the case here, but yeah, that's something just to be concerned about, but We'll see. I mean, we'll talk about this later about the Rico Hines runs, but uh, he seemed pretty pr- doing pretty well in those. So it doesn't seem to be a problem. And, you know, it helps with a lot of the aspects of his game, especially with like, you know, with Ivy too, because Ivy can be physical as well. So having two physical guards is really important. Um, the team like Memphis comes to mind when you think about two guards are physical and Cade's a lot bigger than John Morant. So that, that could be, that could be a start of something good. Yeah. And, you know, we can talk about the Rico Hines stuff right away, actually, as you alluded to Aiden, Um, a lot of videos are coming out now. There were already reports about this two, three weeks ago, I think, but the Pistons, for those who don't know, the Pistons played in the Rico Hines runs, which a lot of pro NBA players and pro overseas players play in. It's just little scrimmages that they do um, to train and get better against each other. But the Pistons pretty much had, there were reports of full teams of five. They brought pretty much everybody. There's pictures of Cade with Killian, Ivy, Bay, Bagley, Stewart, everybody you want to name on the roster is pretty much there. And so, you know, now there's been some videos coming out of Cade versus Steph, Cade guarding him and then scoring on him on offense. I, I was just wondering if you guys saw the videos, what do you think? I'm watching one right now, by the way, where Isaiah Stewart hits a three. And so, you know, I think it's a great, great idea. And I don't know why more NBA teams don't do it because you're you always, there's a lot of roster turnover. And so the Pistons are now already getting in-game experience. I Granted, it's just, you know, off-season scrimmages, but like, they're building that chemistry in August. I think that's that has to be a big positive for them. Yeah, I mean, it was just cool to see just the entire team together. And I know Rico Hines is a Raptors thing, so it's kind of cool to see how they match up against the Toronto Raptors, who, by the way, look really good. Like, Scotty Barnes, like, that, like I'm kind of all in on him now. But um, I don't know. For, for the Pistons, the highlights were actually a little bit – I was personally a little bit disappointed just because – Steph Curry, man, like he was scoring no matter how hard Kate Cunningham would guard him. Steph Curry just found a way to score. And it was kind of demoralizing to see like every single time. Although granted, these are highlights. So perhaps Steph was missing, but it seemed like every time Kate was guarding Steph, Steph just managed to find a way to score. There was no like, I watched like the majority of it. I think Ivy, you, you saw some good things from Ivy. The shot looked good. He made a couple of shots, which was nice. He was playing he was switching. They were switching a lot. And a lot of times Ivy was like on a taller guy, like Pascal Siakam, who just ate him alive. Like I feel there were so many buckets I saw where they just scored on Ivy, which is, I mean, it's a switch, right? But athleticism is definitely there. He's definitely one of the faster guys on the floor. There were, there was like a couple of times he was a little bit out of control, like in, in terms of like his shot and stuff, but overall it was good. Bagley also was kind of 
impressive. He had a nice shot, like I think in the corner, which is good. He just posted up. I and mean, I didn't know he had that in his bag. But yeah, overall, I would say solid. I wish they they're gonna. I think they're gonna release more footage of it. Honestly, as the days goes by, because I didn't get to see much killing Hayes or stuff like that. But yeah, no. Overall, it was it was just cool cool to see the team together. I'm not sure if they won their scrimmage. I don't know because I know they like scored to seven. It seemed like Cade's team didn't make it to the main floor. That's what I was reading. But nevertheless, Cade Cunningham was playing against Steph Curry. I'm sure it built up his confidence. And Cade, when he when he was when he was uh going to score, he was able to do it effortlessly. Like he just gets in the paint, uses his body, and the control was great. And Sadiq Bay also. Bay had a nice some nice shots as well. But we're we're literally just like talking about like three minutes of footage. So, you know, it's not much to talk about, but it was cool. It was cool to see a team. Yeah, I mean, Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bey, Cade, they've all been hanging out. They went to finals game together. They were at Summer League, like, the whole Summer League together. I mean, yeah, they're doing these runs together. So, I mean, the chemistry seems to be there, um, just including everyone else. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know. But now I kind of covered it all already. There's not really much more for me to touch on. Yeah, and I mean that's kind of the point we're at in the off season, right? <laughs> like, you know, we're going over two, three minute clips, but I will say, tonight, there were a couple clips that Pistons fans were going crazy about, where they were showing Cade's defensive highlights against Steph, like stopping him on a couple, three possessions, whatever, and so those looked encouraging. Um, but yeah, there were also many where Steph was just scoring at will. But you know, Kate was trying, and, and he gave yeah, he made yeah, him he gives take effort. tough shots. So that's the good news, and you know, some of that's obviously going to translate into that regular season and then playoff games down the line. So I think no matter what, it was a positive for the Pistons. They got to be happy. Pistons fans need to be happy. And so moving on, another thing that we saw on Twitter over the last week, I think it was last weekend, was I think it was the Don weekend, right for Big Sean. And it was announced that Big Sean is going to be once again helping the design and kind of leading the design of the Pistons City Edition jerseys, that he will be doing that for this upcoming year's jerseys that I don't know when they'll release them. I'm assuming it'll be sometime in the next two, three weeks. And so I was just wondering, what do you guys think of that, first of all? And second of all, what do you want to see with the jerseys? Is there a specific color or a a throwback type of theme? What are you looking for? I was so – oh, and, and you want to go first? I mean, yeah, that's fine. I mean, he did the practice jerseys last year, I know, and it was like the world – it was like a globe on it and like some random stuff. Or, I mean, not random, but yeah. Well, no, so, and, and, and he also did the city editions, and I think he helped on the teal ones too. That was the red ones? The, yeah. The red, yeah, I like those red city editions, so – I mean, yeah, it's not bad so far. I'd be interested to see, like, what he does. Because, obviously, we're getting the teal back. So, maybe it's the the red, like, retro piston one um, with the horse or something like that. So, I'll be interested. It, I don't know. His influence on, on like, the pistons is a little weird to me because, you know, he kind of fell out of the – the spotlight he's not as mainstream as he used to be he's kind of just chilling with the pistons now and you know i know vanayak still listens to his music but like the rest of the rest of us not so much you saying that as like an insult and that's that hurts yeah, no, why, why you calling <laughs> out my man <laughs> no nah, man respect respect the big shot i mean i like the involvement for sure um for me the jersey i want to see is red i just like the pistons for such a long time didn't have a red jersey and they only debuted it until like what three years ago? I just remember vividly there was like a game in twenty the year we had Christian Wood. That's when they debuted their first red jersey, and like I I really liked the red. I'm I was kind of disappointed they got like, they got rid of it. Um, the years before for like the last like ten years. So as long as the city edition has like red to it, then I'm good. Like the last year Detroit, that was a great great edition. I loved how they do switch the court as well. So hopefully something similar to that. Like it's good. Like I, my expectations are pretty pretty mean like i'm not i'm not losing my losing my breath over uh the, their jerseys or whatever but um i'm excited to see i'm excited to see them do a bunch of new things yeah i mean we're kind of at that point in the in the you know off season where we're just looking for big news and so 
the Jersey news is kind of one of the biggest stuff that we have with the Pistons right now, as well as, like we just said, the Rico Hines runs. But I will say, having said that, another big thing that we got to talk about is the schedule release. The NBA released the schedule for all 30 teams just, I want to say, a week and a half ago. And the Pistons obviously came out. First of all, the Pistons will be opening up against the Orlando Magic at home. We will have the 2021 first overall pick, Cade Cunningham, against the 2022 first overall pick, Paolo Bancaro. And that will be Wednesday, October uh, 19th. So very interesting opener. And then the other thing to add is that in terms of TV games, national TV, the Pistons have just one which is on TNT. That is the game at Philadelphia on January 10th. And then they have, I believe, three NBA TV games. So what do you guys think of, first of all, the opener? And we'll we'll go more in depth about the schedule, but I guess about the opening matchup against the Magic and then the fact that they really just have one national TV game. You know, first on the TV games, I just want to say we do have a game um, in the preseason against the Knicks that will be on TNT. How did I know you were going to say that? <laughs> it's no, just, it's no. just the preseason opener. It's the preseason opener. You know, we also, can ready. I just add with that real quick? My bad to go on a tangent. Why do we always play the Knicks in the preseason? Have you guys noticed that? I swear the last three years we played them mm-hmm. in the opening preseason game. Anyways, it's, side it's, just, it's just what America wants to see, you know, on TNT prime time. So, you know, definitely going to be excited for that one. But I don't know, Orlando as a home opener, I think they've done it before. I guess it's cool to see us against Paolo Banker. I mean, it'll be cool to just see the young the young teams go at it. Um, I mean, it's not like a great a hype. I don't think any NBA fans like, oh, my God, I got to watch the Pistons take on the Magic. But, you know, it's it's cool. It's, it's all right. I'm, I'm disappointed we only got one um, – National TV game. Now people will say it's odds Detroit versus everybody, but I mean, we really we live we just won twenty two games last year. I mean, it may, it makes sense. So we'll see. I mean, it's it's a part of it. You know, I feel like this team will be much more fun than compared to previous teams just because of the athleticism we have, and hopefully we can get some uh, games you know flexed on the national television like as we get towards the later end to the season. But um, yeah, I'm not I'm not tripping over it. I I do I'm. I'm really excited though to see Jalen Green come back to the palace and play K. Like that's that's still a matchup I really am excited to see. But yeah, that's that's how I see it. Yeah, I remember I'm gonna be like Vinay for a second. I remember when they traded for Reggie Jackson and then they moved the Sunday game against yeah, the Wizards then, yeah, to yeah. ESPN, the 330. Yeah. Maybe that maybe they do that this year. We'll see. But uh yeah, I mean they just won 23 games. You can't expect them to be on you know ESPN or TNT every weekend so I mean it is annoying but they're gonna get better they're gonna get more you know airtime in the next couple years you know if John Beeline's right about what he says and he truly believes they win 40 games and they do they're gonna get a lot more TNT games and ESPN games so I mean it's, it's pretty as simple. Like, I don't know. I don't really know what more to say. And also depending on how well Cade plays, because maybe they don't take that jump. They still only win 30 games, but Cade is, you know, an all-star like LaMelo. And he's, you know, he's starting on the, in the all-star game this year. Like there, that will get them more airtime as well. So there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I thought they would get, uh, maybe another national TV game just because, you know, K is Cade Cunningham. He was the number one overall pick. He has that billing, so to say. And I think everyone would agree he had a good rookie season too. But it's it's a fair point. They won 22, 23 games last year. So it's to be expected to a certain extent. So, yeah, I think, you know, Pistons fans hopefully will see in two, three years exactly what Aiden said, that as they start getting better, so will the airtime. You know, the airtime will increase as well. So as far as the opening matchup, you know, I don't – there's not really too much into it. <laughs> like, yeah, it's number one pick versus number one pick, but I don't know. The Pistons should win that game. The The Magic are in a very weird spot. It's going to be a very interesting team that they have there, a very young team, by the way. And so, I don't know. I was going to say this, another reaction that 
a lot of people had to the Pistons schedule is that first of all, the beginning, you know, the first 10, 20 games are quite difficult. They have a West road, road trip going at teams like the LA Lakers, the Clippers, Denver, uh, Phoenix. They, they have Golden State in their first uh, 10 games. And then they also have quite a few of their back-to-backs in the first 10, 15 games. I think they have four back-to-backs in their first 15 games. That It's kind of interesting that they're kind of loading it up like that. Would you guys rather have that be in the first half of the season or the second half? I think definitely second half for me. I think like, I don't know, that that type of schedule just kind of primes the season for like a tank job, you know, just when you start, I mean, when you have such a tough schedule, they're, they're not going to win a lot of those games. And then, then you create that mindset, you reinforce it that, okay, we're not, we're not as good of a team. And then you have to do this whole bounce back thing, which is, it's harder. It's hard to do. So me personally, I'm not really a fan of the November road trips, but I mean, we have, you have to play those teams at some point. So. I mean, I guess you could you could one could argue. I mean, better to have it just done early, and then the later season is actually much easier from what I've seen. So, I mean that that's that's one thing though. Honestly, I don't mind the back to back games earlier in the season, just because you're a lot fresher than you are. You know, you you do get like the all star break where you get a little bit of time off, but besides that, there's not a lot of time once you're in, in like the full swing of things. So. I think it it may help a younger team who's like fresher that you know a guy like Ivy's never been through an eighty two game season and K just got done with his first eighty two game season, so I think in that sense it might be better to you know front load it a little bit just in terms of like how many days the games are apart and stuff like that in terms of like the strength of schedule obviously like majority of the team I mean everyone plays everyone. So it's not that big of a deal. They are in like a, a bit of a tougher division just with Milwaukee and, you know, Chicago's like pretty decent. So we'll, we'll see about that. And Cleveland's on the come up. So in that sense, they're not the only team in their division either going through it like that. So I think that helps in a sense. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Aiden. I think that I kind of personally would rather have the Pistons have a difficult start to the season and have the young guys be thrown into the fire a little bit. Maybe that's crazy to say, but just so that they kind of can get their feet under them a little bit. And then so once the easier competition comes around, they start getting more time in between games, then they'll start hitting their rhythm later in the season, as well as, like you said, you know, they're fresh. They're nobody. Well, hopefully nobody has injuries right now or will have injuries by the start of the regular season. And so that's the time to play back to backs rather than later in the year when you got, you know, half of your roster dealing with some sort of injury. So, you know, it's unfortunate that it's just so front loaded like that. But at the same time, you can look at it optimistically and saying that, man, you know, once they hit January, the Pistons should be getting on a roll a little bit, but we'll see. And so moving on from the Pistons schedule, we'll be going into kind of the last portion of this episode, which is on to the NBA part. And so the biggest news that happened recently is that Kevin Durant, it is being announced he will be staying with the Brooklyn Nets this upcoming season. The ownership and Kevin Durant came to an agreement that he will stay. And so that changes the Eastern Conference a lot because everybody thought that KD's out. They just have Kyrie, Ben Simmons, if Kyrie was even going to stay there. We all, a lot of us thought that he was gone too. It changes things. It makes things a little bit more difficult for a lot of the playoff teams in the East and then certainly the competitors and contenders in the East, like the Boston Celtics and so on. So what what do you think of KD staying with Brooklyn? First of all, is it the right decision for him? And then I guess how does it affect the Eastern Conference? I think what was so weird about the KD trade was like we never even knew why, like why he requested the trade. It just because when Kyrie opted in and there was no movement on the Kyrie trade, just it just didn't make sense. And then the report comes out that he wants Steve Nash and the other guy gone and what's his name, Marks, John Marks, I think, yeah. He wanted Sean Marks on. It just it just didn't make sense. I felt like once like what they were asking for, which is fair, 
once those trades were coming out, I was just like, nah, this man's going to stay. And here we are. He's, he's staying. Honestly, bro, like the Nets are actually like, if you look on paper, this should be like a championship contending team. I'm not going to lie. Like they got, they got so much better in terms of, I mean, if Ben Simmons decides to play, I mean, it's just more so a matter of these, if these players decide to play and if they do, I mean, that's a great team. They, and they added TJ Warren, you know, they added Royce O'Neal and it, it just, they, they've, they honestly have a really, really solid team. So props to the Nets for figuring the situation. out. I mean, it was going to get really bad for them. I mean, so bad. I mean, their team is run by probably one of the more dramatic superstars in the leagues, but, um, Hey, you got to go for the ride. So um, props to props to KD for staying props to them for props to the Nets for figuring it out. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on it. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different aspects of this, obviously like the Kyrie situation is, you know, that was like kind of the domino effect that like led to everything else that led to, you know, KD probably wanting out because, you know, he wanted Kyrie was coming back, back and forth, and KD wanted to play with him. But at the same time, you know, Kyrie couldn't play because we all know why. We know the story. And then Ben Simmons, you know, he doesn't care. I don't know if he cares or not about whether or not he's going to play. So there's just a lot of aspects. And Brooklyn's ownership is not the greatest, I would say. And, like, especially their front office has made a lot of bad decisions in the, you know, the young, the young Brooklyn Nets organization, obviously, like we remember the like KG Paul uh, Pierce trades and stuff. And like, yeah, I mean, KD and Kyrie kind of fell in their lap just because they both wanted a place to go um, in that sense. But yeah, putting the rest of a team together, and, you know, a competent coaching staff. Because Steve Nash, we all got to remember, this was his first year as a head coach, and he didn't even coach, like, before. So, you know, in that sense, that's a lot different than, like, what he was used to. So he was kind of thrown into the fire. So just overall, it's, like, a messy situation. And the fact that they came out of this offseason still with KD and Kyrie, along with, like, a head coach and the fact that they might have gotten a little bit better with, like, Royce O'Neal as well is, you know, it's telling. It's, you know, a step in the right direction, but what will they do it over the course of the season? Uh, we're going to figure that out. No, nah, I mean, it was it was Steve Nash's second season, though. But, but yeah, I, I oh, agree. Yeah, okay, yeah. It's Brooklyn's in an interesting spot. I don't think it's their – I would also disagree. I don't think it's their front office. I think their front office did everything that they could. Because also keep in mind, this is the front office that came in after the KG trades and everything. Sean Marks was the guy who, uh, you know, took on all of those garbage contracts. And then, you know, they drafted Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, guys like that, and built a solid team. And so I, I don't – and I said this, like, you know, when, when this stuff was going on in the first place. I don't think it's the front office's fault that the players, first of all, that Kyrie didn't get the vaccine and play half the games, that, no. you know, um, they dealt with all the injuries that they had, that James Harden was going through all that stuff, then they trade for Ben Simmons and he doesn't play. Like, I think they've just been really unlucky. And I do understand the argument that people say, well, you got to know the characters that you're getting. I get it, but I wouldn't blame it as much on those guys. I This is one of the few times I blame it really more on the players. But like you guys said, they're still there. Kyrie and KD are still there. The opportunity is still there. I'm very interested to see what happens with Ben Simmons. You know, what in the world he's been up to over the last year and how he is when he comes back. Um, if he somehow comes up with another injury that he can't play through or whatever. But, you know, it, it's just such a weird team. But like you said, Benayik, if they can just click finally on paper, this is one of the best teams I would say not just in the NBA, but, or maybe, okay, with Ben Simmons, one of the best teams in the NBA, but before when they had Harden, it should have been one of the best teams ever, you could argue. It just, it never worked out. And so it'll be interesting to see. It'll certainly affect the Eastern Conference big time if they can get it to work out because this team should be one of the title favorites. And so 
you know, it frankly, it just relies on leadership. But you guys also brought up a real good point, by the way. I think they have better depth this year than they had last year. They have Patty Mills back. They have Royce O'Neal. They have TJ Warren. They brought in some other guys that should be able to bring in some depth for them. And they didn't have that at all last year. So that's another thing to watch out for. Another part, another big NBA news um, to go talk about is that, um, I guess, we just talked about KD. We'll talk about the future white KD that a lot of people are calling him. Chet Holmgren, unfortunately, got a season-ending injury a month before the season even started. He was doing, he was playing in the, the Jamal Crawford crossover event, I believe. I could be wrong on that. Correct me if I'm wrong. But um, he tore a ligament, something in his foot that it was turned out to be a really, really bad tear. And he will not be playing a game this season. I guess he could kind of be like Ben Simmons and try to win rookie of the year uh, next year. But that will not be happening this year. What are your thoughts on this, Aiden? I think this is a dream for Sam Presti. I swear, this is another this is another year of tanking for Sam Presti to get Victor uh, Wemboy, whatever. I don't Wimbayana. even Wembayana. So then you can get you got Shy, Chet, Wembayana, and whoever. This is this is Giddy. Sam Presti's. Yeah, Giddy. Dude, this is Sam Presti's dream. I think he wants to tank another year just because he can get more picks. But yeah, I mean, no, in all seriousness, this is a this is pretty brutal, especially for Chet, um, because he needs to put on a lot more weight. So it might be, and I'm talking about healthy weight. I'm not like talking about Zion where you're just sitting out and like eating the whole time and become 300 pounds. <laughs> You, you mean eating that Popeye's Louisiana chicken? <laughs> no, I was just saying Zion's. I don't know. Whatever food he's eating, it must be really good because he's getting chubby. But yeah, he needs to put on a lot of mu- he needs to put on a lot of muscle. Um, and maybe that'll help with his like upper body. But yeah, it, it's definitely not looking good for Chet right now, especially since he he's pretty fragile to begin with. And, and let me just say with that, by the way, that since you brought it up um, and credit to James Edwards, I saw his tweet first about this. Um, he talked, James Edwards talked about how not only, and he's obviously not a doctor, none of us are doctors, right? But when you have a torn ligament in a foot that you can't walk on, it makes it even harder to add weight on, right? Because, when you when you're starting your recovery process you don't want to be recovering with a body that you just added 15 pounds of weight you know and so that that kind of adds another element to that too because we've all been saying that this guy needs to add weight he needs to add muscle and now this happens but i'm curious do you think like is this should we have all seen this coming because everyone said was talking about how skinny he is that he was going to get bullied around should we have seen this coming or is this just a, a sad injury that, you know, it was just unfortunate? I lean probably towards the la- the latter. I think a lot of people want to throw this, oh, you know, he was skinny. This is bound to happen. But that type of injury, like reading about it and like seeing it, it definitely seems much more of a um, – so the, so basically he tore his list. It's called the list frank. I don't know if you pronounce that right, but that – it was basically just in an awkward position. Like I, what from what I read, it's it had nothing to really do with the fact that he's he was skinny or anything. It really just is he was put in a really awkward position when LeBron came and you know when he put the high force, you know, it just tears. So I, but now now he's injured. Now it's like I I can see why someone would say, hey, you know, we knew this was gonna happen. He was gonna get injured, and although like I don't think this injury you can just say, oh, you know, it's because he's skinny it is like an injury now that he has to deal with. And like you said, it's a torn ligament and it's like, it's hard. I mean, it's going to be hard to recover. And then you add on top of the fact that he is like skinny, he is skinny. So he's going to get more of these type of injuries. So overall, just, just a tough situation. I mean, I know a lot of people are saying, like, you know, I saw this, saw this coming and maybe it did, but you know, it just sucks to see someone go out and playing in such a mean, like a meaningless basketball game just to like lose your season like that. But, um, yeah, it's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. Like it's it sucks. I do want to say about the tanking thing. Like, I know Thunder fans will get so mad at me, but like 
you cannot. It feels like Shea Gugas Alexander is just like a budding, budding star, superstar guy. But you're just like, how do you keep selling him to the fact that you're tanking? Like, how the, how do you keep selling him that you're gonna do this for three for another year? And then like this guy's like really like, if he was on another team, if he was on a team that wasn't tanking, like he would definitely be much more in the national spotlight as an all star player. But you're just doing this tanking thing and. The thing is, like, even if you get that that Victor guy and Chet, like, they're rookies. So, I mean, it takes another at least two or three years until they're actually, like, contributing. So, I don't know. I don't want to say they're wasting Shea, but – um, because I know Thunder fans get so mad when they say that, but, no, nah, fuck that. They're, they're, they're wasting Shea, my, my boy's getting – I feel bad. Free my man's, like, I don't know. I, res- I know he, like, loves OKC and shit, but it's just – I don't know, man. It's, hey, I, I hate to see a player of that caliber just, like, be on the tanking team. I don't know. I don't know. And this injury basically, like Aiden said, it guarantees they're going to probably tank, which is, I mean, what are you going to do, I guess? Let me ask you guys this, because another thing that a lot of people have been talking about in the reaction of that injury is that they're saying these players, the NBA players, should not be allowed to play in the crossover event, in the Drew League, and so on. What do you guys think about that take? Do you have any – do you feel strongly about that? Or I mean, injuries can happen, like, in any single instance. I know we talk a lot, like, as a society – like, I mean, like a sports community, a lot about, like, football, like, injuries. That, like, you know, there's a higher chance of injury there. But, like, you can't – you can't tell when someone's about to go get injured, like, saying saying like oh yeah the nba player shouldn't be playing in drew league and stuff like it's absurd there's been hundreds of nba players that have played in the drew league for the past however many years and never gotten hurt you know they go play i mean like michigan state they have a tournament it's called like money ball it's like they have a money ball tournament in east lansing every summer and like you know all that msu players play there and some like NBA players come back, like former players from just around here, like at you know, like uh Oakland and like EMU and stuff come and play here, whatever. And you know, it it's just a matter of chance. It's not it's not anything that you can prevent. Um, you know, if it happened like a Liz Frank in- injury, like something like that, like it was bound to happen sooner or later. So it's it's just weird. That's just sports, you know. I wouldn't stop it. So, yeah. yeah, I agree. By that, by that logic of banning, let's say someone gets injured, like during practice, are you going to say players shouldn't practice? Man, that's just that's too much. That's too much risk. I mean, it's it's stupid. I think the players have the right to choose, you know, what they want to play. And and like you said, injuries are part. They're part of the game. They're unfortunate, but you know, you can't predict it. It's not like something where, oh, you know, your form is bad and you're gonna get an injury if you do it like this like basketball it's so fast paced like anything anything can happen if a player gets injured in practice or in the game i mean it's it's bound to happen so yeah i agree with aiden and i'm sure most people would say yeah no let them the players get to choose it no one should tell them like you can't play here although unless if it may be anthony davis but that boy get injured a little bit too much but <laughs> that's that's just me yeah i i fully agree and i like you guys i feel pretty strongly about that that listen it's the player's choice first of all another thing that people got to also keep in mind and by the way is a lot of players playing these events to build their own brand even more and that only helps the nba that you get more notoriety of these players during the off season in the absolute dead period of the nba when you have guys like lebron james playing in the drew league I mean, there were guys sleeping in tents outside the crossover event the nights before to get into that just to see LeBron play. Like, it's good for the NBA. It's good for the players' brands. And I understand injuries can happen, but we could say the same thing as practices, as scrimmages. Because also, that's the other thing. Like, as in the Rico Hines runs, these guys scrimmage against each other all the time. That's just what happens. And so injuries are going to happen. It's unfortunate. It really sucks for Chet. I really do feel very bad for him, but it's just, that's how it goes. You know, sometimes you're going to get unlucky like that. And in this case he did. And so speaking of unlucky players, sorry, I'm trying to keep up with the transitions today, but I'm kind of struggling a little bit. Uh, But speaking of unlucky players, Donovan Mitchell (laughs) is stuck with the Utah jazz at four right now. 
And initially it looked like Danny Ainge, the new general manager there, would not trade him. They said that initially after they traded Gobert, and they said they were going to build around Donovan Mitchell. It was then reported two-ish weeks ago that that idea is still a possibility of Donovan Mitchell being traded. It's still a, a possibility. Shams has been reporting all about it this last week. And specifically, of course, between Donovan or between the Utah Jazz and the New York Knicks, should a deal get done, what do you guys think? Honestly, I just want to first say respect to Donovan Mitchell for not being like, oh, I want to get out of here. I want to get out of here. I mean, he apparently hasn't even requested a trade. So respect to him for just like not being, not like putting the pressure on the front office and letting the front office, you know, take their time with it. But yeah, like you said, I mean, when they traded Gobert, the idea that they were going to build around Donovan Mitchell, like was kind of, it was kind of low key, some BS. I'm not going to lie. Like Donovan Mitchell, Pat, Pat Beverly, like it's just, I don't know. I don't really, I don't really see it as much, but as far as the Knicks deal, I know the Knicks want to really get the deal done, but like from Utah's perspective, unless if you're getting a bunch of picks and a, I think RJ Barrett is a fair ass. I mean, Donovan Mitchell's talented. It just, RJ Barrett, who's speaking of, by the way, just got the four-year, $120 million extension. Oh, yeah. Crazy stuff, by the way. But anyways. Yeah, no. Honestly, like, I don't even think the Knicks are, like, like let's say the Knicks get Donovan Mitchell. Like, what are they going to do with it? Like, it's just you have Jalen Brunson, D-Mitch. Like, it's – it just – I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Like, I would like to see Donovan go to, like, the Heat or something, you know, somewhere where he can, like, be part of a winning team. Because it feels like if he's going from the Jazz to the Knicks, it's kind of, like – Although the Knicks are a bigger market, it's kind of a lateral move, you know. Like I don't think the Jazz, I think I don't think the Knicks are getting like raising their ceiling by getting him. So that's just me personally. But um, it'll be interesting to see what he goes for. I, I kind of want to see what the market is like. They were kind of screwed over by the KD stuff because KD came in hot. KD came in like once Rudy Gobert got traded for like five picks, then they were like, KD's like, our oh, KD got to get traded for ten. So it'll be interesting to see how the Jazz uh do this, but. Props to the Jazz. If they can get a trade and they can get something like multiple first-round picks, man, they they have accelerated their rebuild so fast, and that's how you do it. That's that's the right way. I'm glad they hit the reset button and they're ready to redo it again. So props to them as well. Yeah, I mean, I think the issue was between him was between Gobert and Mitchell. You know, a while back, like uh, in 2020, and. You know, I think they wanted to part ways a little bit. It was, you know, kind of mutual between every party, like the Jazz front office, Gobert and Mitchell. Um, and then they got rid of Gobert and they got a little haul for him. And now, you know, they still want to get rid of Mitchell, which is a little odd. Um, but yeah, I mean, from our report, like from what has been reported, obviously. Mitchell hasn't gone to the front office asking for a trade or anything. So it doesn't seem like any like ill will towards them or anything. So that's, that's good on his part. Uh, the Knicks, obviously like he's in New York, like he's in New York, uh, like born and raised or New York or whatever. And um, so, yeah, so obviously he would want to play there, but yeah, I don't know their their haul they would get because Mitchell Robinson is gone, right? And like, or did he resign? I can't. Remember. I think he resigned. I think he resigned. Yeah, so he resigned, and then you got, I mean, who Kemba's washed, like, or no, nah, Kemba nah, bro, Kemba's on the Pistons now. Bro. Oh yeah, that's yeah, right. Kemba's. <laughs> I know. I'm so. I'm so like, behind. But yeah. RJ Barrett, yeah, that's like their best asset. So neither team really has a ton of assets outside of Donovan Mitchell. So I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I think, I mean, you guys kind of already hit on it. But, like, for Donovan, like, he, it's it would be good for his brand, for his player notoriety of, like, going to the Big Apple, getting that media attention, national attention, that'd be great. I mean, he turned into an absolute star because I, I think he's one of the underrated players of the NBA. But in terms of winning, like, it's just, it, bro, it's the New York Knicks. Like, it's a, it, it's a lateral move, exactly as Vinayak said. I don't think you, you really change too much. And so, I don't know. I think for Utah, 
it makes sense to a certain extent because I, I think you can argue either way of keeping Mitchell or trading him. Because if you keep him, you still already have a lot of picks from the Rudy Gobert trade, and then you have a legitimate star still on your roster and a young one at that too. But if you trade him, you know, you just get more and more assets to hit on other guys in the draft. So I think Utah, regardless, is in a good position right now. If they make a trade, they just got to make sure the value is really there. I'm not sure New York could give it to them, but I don't know. And then as far as the Knicks, I just, like I said, I just think it takes them to maybe being a six or a five seed in the playoffs, but does it, do they do anything more than that? I don't know. I don't really think so. So if I'm Donovan Mitchell, I would honestly be making a list of teams that I want to be traded to. I'd be doing that. Um, and I'd say I'd include low key, the Lakers on there, you know, try to, somehow force your way to the Lakers play with LeBron for two years, whatever it'll be and Anthony Davis. And because I think LeBron and Donovan Mitchell would, man, that'd be a pretty darn good team too. So I don't know. It's an interesting scenario. It sounds like it won't be resolved that soon. I mean, I, you would think they want to get it done before the season if they do, but we'll have to wait and see. Do you guys have any other comments for this episode Anything you want to talk about briefly? Because that was kind of all we had. I think we we hit it all. We we got this episode done. So, you know, this is good. It feels good to be back into it. So, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, yeah, like, like you said, you know, it's been a minute for us, but we're very, very happy to be back, and we'll for sure be back and trying to upload weekly. So, for sure, be on the lookout for that. Look out on the social medias and before you click off this episode before you do that we are still trying to do the fan episode that we said we were going to do um last time we are still going to be trying to do that so if you want to have your voice heard if you want to join this podcast and talk basketball with us talk pistons with us make sure to hit us up on instagram twitter frankly just those two that you can message us on dm us on there and we will try to get you on. We're really excited to talk with fans. And, you know, we've been doing that in Twitter spaces and, and other things. And so really make sure to hit us up on the social medias. We love talking with all of you. And like I said, we have that fan episode coming up. So we'd love to hear from so many of you. And so that will do it for this episode. Thank you for staying tuned this long for the Three Rings podcast and for our first episode back in a while. And we will see you next time which will hopefully be next week. (laughs) So see you next time on the Three Rings Podcast. Peace. Peace.